for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Two shots fired in two days, not bad. Hey, bad in a thousand, fellas. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. So, guys, welcome back to another episode of Season 23. Um, You know, we are, uh, if you guys are new to this, this series, we are recapping uh, semi-live day-to-day action as we're in the field. So did this last year and, you know, starting it again this year. So, uh, Jake and I did an episode yesterday on, on, uh, opening day of Kentucky. And now today, Jake and I are back together again with Corey Godar. And, uh, we're, we've had two shots fired, fellas, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to recap, uh, uh, September 3rd, day number two, <laughs> Two shots fired. I think we should get into this. We'll, we'll save Corey's for second, but uh, Jake, let's get into a little bit about uh, what you and I went through yesterday. Yeah, so it was it was a roller coaster for sure. Um, we decided that we were going to target two specific hubs based on the southwest prevailing wind direction that we had. We talked about it, I believe, yesterday, actually, before we went out yep. that we were going to do that. Uh, Corey decided that he was going to go up one. We were going to go up the other one. And just hunt our way in. We did the same playbook we've been running where we leave the hotel at between noon and one o'clock, just hunt our way in for the day, work really slow, try to get up or try to get set up by four or five and just see what happens. Just try to be basically downhill of the bucks, bedded on north facing steep slopes. And hopefully they come down, they feed on acorns or mm-hmm. they feed on browse. Uh, we, you know, got to the halfway point of our access. We split off, said goodbye to Corey and Joey. They went their way. We went our way started working into that system and down in the bottoms way down in the bottoms there's been a lot of deer activity at night in these fields it's overgrown ag fields there's a little bit of ag out there but not much so we felt like we could get in these systems and get on some deer and i still think that we have a very good opportunity at laying down two bucks i mean i know we're two days down with zero on the ground but i just the confidence is building that this playbook actually works so we get to the first intersection the macro hub of the system that we could stop at 
And Aaron, you and I stop and sit by a tree for, you know, 15, 20 minutes probably just trying to decide, hey, do we just sit down and and hunt here or do we press on and get aggressive? I don't think either of those was the wrong play. I think we probably would have had an opportunity either way, but we sat there for a little bit and decided, you know what, we're here for five days-ish. Let's just get aggressive and go try to kill this deer. So we walked through that little hidden meadow. We crossed a little uh, creek just a little ditch basically there's not a lot of water down at this point yet either and we just start pressing basically heading towards the west into this hub system where that southwest wind is blowing that wind right out in our face it's hitting us right in the forehead as we're accessing so we're taking our time we're walking five steps ish stopping one step stopping making sure we're not we're not cracking sticks we get in about 50 yards from the camera and we have to make a move do we go left do we go right well we go right about five steps and we look left and we knew at this point you could see a trail coming through the forbs of where these deer are making a turn to go up the hub towards where Corey's at so we decide we need to be able to shoot this trail there's activity in here and i pulled up my binos and i look at the scrape at about 30 yards and the scrape is wide open and i can see dark spots where it's been peed in and it actually on camera it was peed in that morning but we didn't know that at the time so we decide we're not walking up to that camera because that blows out our shot opportunities. Let's just go get set up. We had to make a decision right here where do we set up on like closer to the south facing slope because the thermals are pulling up that south facing slope right now and it's going to clear our scent or do we set up waiting for the thermals to switch when that south facing slope becomes like a waterfall and those thermals start pulling back down and it's going to just basically whoosh all that scent right out of that system so we decided to set up near the creek on the other side against the north facing slope which would give us that opportunity there's like, a, first of all explain to everybody like why the south facer will pull eventually because of all the pressure it builds up during the day explain that. yeah so the south facing slope the north facing slope shaded so all day long it has very little thermal pull sometimes it'll pull up sometimes it'll actually fall yep. it depends on how steep it is depends on exactly where the sun position is and all these other factors the south facing slope that's getting just beat by that sun all day is heating up and it's just the thermals are pulling up, but as they pull up, the way I like to think about it is you have a balloon that's filling up and it just, it keeps filling and keeps filling and keeps filling. And eventually when the thermals start, when the sun goes away and it starts cooling back down, you have all that pressure up there. It's going to come back down. Mm-hmm. So at night, the South facing slopes always produce way more downhill thermals than the North facing slopes do in my opinion, because they're releasing that pressure. It's like letting, it's like cutting the bottom of the balloon. And it's just going to blow all that air back down into your face. And so we set up for that. Well, the spot that we got into just so happened to be a 15-yard wide little opening in the woods that there was some forbs, and it was 30 yards long, and we could shoot any deer coming through that system. And this is huge because this is why we target micro hubs, because you can shoot across the entire hub. And when you can do that, you can't miss a deer. Like yesterday in that macro hub, Mm -hmm. with that macro hub, we could have been 150 yards off. and that is just very inefficient if you ask me because you can't dictate the exact trail they're going to come down very often but what you can do is say hey i know they're going to be in this hub we can shoot the whole thing we just have to make sure we're in a spot where we have the cover we need and we get the shot angles we need so we pick that tree out and it's tucked away in the corner and it's tucked away basically in the southwest side of the micro hub 
the creek makes a bend right in front of it. There's a bunch of deadfall and it pushes all of the deer in front of us to that scrape. So it sets up perfect. So we take our time. I hang off the tree for about 45 minutes. We finally get set up. Uh, we get in the tree at 4.30. At about 5 o'clock, those thermals start pulling down that south-facing slope hard, and our wind is just about bulletproof. But what you get at first, when the, when the thermals first start to dump, you'll start to get a surge effect before they fully take over. And so they'll come down, and then they'll push a little bit. Come down, and they'll push a little bit. Well, we're dealing with that. We're in the middle of that. And ideally, the deer comes down after that's already taken place. Well, in this situation, I thought I heard a deer at about 5 o'clock, and the thermals are still doing that surge. And I was like, A.B., do you hear that? And he's like, I didn't hear it. And we kind of wrote it off. And then about 20 minutes later, 5.20, 5.25-ish, Aaron's like, Jake, there's a big buck right there feeding on acorns at 80 yards. And I mm -hmm. look up and he came, I mean, he dropped right off that bedding point, right down into the bottom. And he's coming right at us. I mean, directly at us. And I, I'm just in the back of my head, I'm thinking these thermals are going to switch on us. We have to be really careful right here. And the, the deer has two choices to make. Choice A, he gets over on the north side of the creek, which is where we anticipate all the movement. Choice B, he comes directly at us on the south side, and then he has to make a move. He has to go either up the hill or across the creek. We didn't even know if it was possible for him to cross the creek at this point because we're brand new to Kentucky. We've only been in this system one time. We're not that intimate with it yet. Which he's on the south side right now of the creek. Yeah. So it, basically, if he goes up the hill he's going to be out of range. We might have a little pocket, but if he, you know, if he's, he only can do that because of the deadfall that's by our tree, like it blocks off the whole Creek. So he's either got to do two things. You yeah. Know? Yeah. He's either got to go right or left. He mm -hmm. can't continue to come forward. And so he gets to that point where he stops and I'm in my head, what I'm thinking is, okay, draw back. Cause I can hold my bow for a while, draw back and just get ready for the turn, regardless of what way it is. And I'm ready for the turn. AB's on him. He's like, hey, I got him. You're good. And right now the deer is dead frontal. I mean, he was dead frontal. And I've killed deer like that before at 20 yards. It, in my opinion, at 20, it's a deadly shot. You just got to put it where it needs to be. So I'm waiting for that deer to make his decision. And I feel those thermals stop hitting me in the face. And I know what's about to come next. I know we're going to get just a little push because we've been experiencing it. I could watch our milkweed almost go back and forth a little bit. And so what happened is when that, as soon as it switched, I watched him pick his head up and go left and watching the video now, he's not alert. But at the time I thought, Ooh, he caught something. He's alert. And I'm waiting for this deer to just wheel around. So I told AB, Hey, we're not letting him make this next move. I'm going frontal. And I put it, you know, right above that pocket and I squeeze off and whether it's nerves, whether it was being impatient with the shot. You know, this all is all playing into it. Could have been just about anything. I could have, like, I could have misjudged the yardage by three or four yards, which would have put me two inches low. He could have been at 24 mm -hmm. instead of 20. So I shoot, and the shot is about where I wanted it, left, right, like within an inch, but it's two inches low. It is literally two inches from killing the steer. And it just basically zips right down the bottom of his chest. Which we didn't know that. We knew it was maybe a little low looking at the viewfinder, but we're like, something was weird. Like the arrow didn't stick in the deer. Like as he wheeled off, the arrow just kind of like 
fell out and we we're like what the heck you know yeah there wasn't a good pop no there wasn't any sort of like impact noise like you think you would hear and right away i i mean immediately i was like something doesn't seem right but he ran up the ridge 30 yards and came to a dead stop and i'm and he did the little tail wag you know like they're when they're really hurt and they do that fast wag and i'm thinking well i think he's gonna go down and then he blew at us and i was like what is going on now and I mean, at that point, I was like, I highly doubt this deer's fatally hit. And I had doubts immediately. But we, you know, AB could see him go all the way up over the ridge. He kept blowing a couple times. He blew a couple times, and then he crossed the top of the ridge. We waited 20 minutes to go check the arrow. Uh, we get down, we go check the arrow. Looks like a straight meat hit. So we're really down in the dumps at this point. We're thinking, you know, he's going to be, st- he's still running. We made a bad shot on him. I feel sick to my stomach. I feel like the worst hunter of all time. You know, lowest of lows as a deer hunter is is doing that, is wounding an animal. And we decide, you know what, let's just go to where he stopped and see what the blood looks like. And then let's do our due diligence, basically, and and just prove that this deer is still living. So we're not just leaving a deer out here to rot. So we start heading up the hill. And I mean, we only make it 10 steps up the hill. And it, he just opens right up with blood. I mean, he's he's opened up. Now, at this point, there's no bubbles in the blood, but there's a lot of blood. I mean, it looks mm-hmm. like it. there was, I would say, two to five times more blood than my the majority of my kill shots. There was blood everywhere. And so we're following this blood trail, and you can see it for like 30 yards. We're like, look, okay, there's blood way up there. Well, after about 100 yards, we start getting the little tiny bubbles in it. And I'm thinking, man, maybe it's better than we thought. Maybe he's dead right here. I have no idea. Maybe we did hit the heart and he was blowing at us because we just clipped the bottom of it or something. I have no idea what to think at this point. But in the back of my head, I still have more doubt than good. Um, We go to the top of the ridge tracking him. And basically at this point, we're like, it's 95 degrees out, 93 degrees out, whatever it was. It's hot. We can't let this deer sit for 10 hours. There's... A, it's not like we hit in the cavity and guts or liver or anything, and he needs to he needs the time to die. With the shot that we put on him, he's either going to die really quick or he's not going to die at all, in my mm-hmm. opinion. That was where my head was at. So we push up to the top of the ridge. By the top of the ridge, which was 250 yards roughly, he the blood was really dying off quick. We could barely catch anything going over the spine of the ridge. It actually took us like 45 minutes to actually get to the spine of the ridge. And we dropped down the other side. I could see his tracks going down through the leaves. And we finally ended up getting on that route that he took. And it was like a dry speck, a dry speck, a dry speck. And then after about 100-ish, 150 yards, there was like two fresh specks of blood that were just tiny, but they were fresh. And we looked at each other like, he must have been standing or feeding right here. Uh, What was really odd is... We actually, he walked right past the scrape and that scrape was hit. Like it was worked. I think it was worked potentially by that deer after he was shot. It was that fresh. Like this thing was just hit. And I'm thinking like, did he hit the scrape on his way across this? He would, it just seemed like he was doing deer things. He didn't, he had no issue going uphill, going downhill over the 600 yards. He completely, you know, dried up blood wise. And he didn't make any moves. He didn't, you know, do anything to me that was like this deer's fatally wounded. So we gave it a few hours of doing circles and 
being bummed out and just really doing our due diligence to make sure we're not missing anything. Ended up running out of blood. Ran out of blood, ran out of daylight. Yeah. And it was like, you know what? It's just, we've done the, we've done everything we can do. At the end of the day, I made a terrible shot and there's no way around that. It's, it happens to all of us. It's going to happen at some point in time. You know, you always hear that. And I just, I knew my day was coming. I've tried to prevent it as much as possible. Um, the lesson learned there, it for me is patience because I just, I assumed he got boogered up by something and I rushed the entire process there where his next move, now that we know the trail, was he was going to be broadside at 15 yards and we were going to be able to smoke that deer. And so patience is the name of the game now. That's the thing moving forward that I'm going to be telling myself when the next buck comes in. Just be patient, wait for your shot, wait for your shot. And, you know, there's it's twofold as well because a lot of times you do have to take the first good shot you have. But if it's not a broadside shot, there's still a lot of ways to kill a deer. You just have to make sure that your shot is where it needs to be. You can't misjudge yardage or anything else. You got to be positive that the shot you're taking is going to kill that deer. And so that's the lesson learned for me is, is patience more than anything else. Um, beat myself up pretty good about it. But I woke up this morning like, you know, what, we're, we still got tags in our pockets. We're going to go try to kill some deer. So I think we'll bounce back. I think our playbook is working. We just have to continue to do what we're doing. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, you know, the he did everything right, you know, and and, you know, ultimately it just didn't happen the way we wanted it to. But, you know, I was telling you yesterday, you were bumming out pretty good. And, you know, it's, it's anybody would bum out like that. I do the same thing. You know, it's just it's we you know, we we love doing this stuff, but we also care about the animals as well as, as much as that. You know, we take a lot of that into effect and, um, you know, a, a positive take out of it is that the system worked, you validated your style of hunting, you know, and, and, you know, there's times where it might not work a hundred times, but then the one time it does, it's like, okay, no, it still does work where, you know, everything's good. The good thing about it is you can, you can change your mistake. You can, yeah. you can work on your mistake, you know, uh, if if the hub didn't work or he didn't do the right thing it might be even more mentally draining just because it's like well i gotta go back to the drawing board i gotta figure something else out why isn't this working you know um you know what happened and and so i, th- I think you're gonna be fine you're gonna move on shit we might shoot one tonight you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Hopefully. the way i'm approaching it is it's a clean slate now i mean it's yeah. just like hey we haven't seen a deer yet yep. let's go out and just run our playbook and that's yep. the thing is bow hunting is is full of highs and lows and i think the best thing you can do as a bow hunter is you can learn how to manage your emotions on the high side and the low side Mm -hmm. it's easy to get super jacked up and it's easy to get really down in the dumps and if you can just try to you know reduce that oscillation as much as possible and just stay level-headed the joe burrow effect if you will we got a cincinnati chain over here (laughs) so the joe that yeah the jv effect there we go the joe burrow effect but if you can just reduce that oscillation as much as possible yeah. and stay level-headed, I think you're going to be in the game. So, yeah, we have a playbook that is, is working for us. Our cameras are telling it's working. Our visual observations are mm-hmm. telling us it's working. We've got the best hunting in front of us still. So I think Corey's up to bat. I, well, I do want to say something real quick, guys. Uh, if you guys have not listened to the Latitude In Session podcast that Jake does, he's going to be doing a deeper dive into this whole hunt and the details and everything into it as far as the hubs and, and everything, you know, South facing North facing slopes. He's going to be doing a very big deep dive after we're done with this, this trip. So 
Go over there, Latitude In Session podcast. You can get it anywhere you download your podcast and listen to it because he'll break it down. It'll be really cool. It'll be more in-depth. This is just kind of a high level. This is kind of what happened. So, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But Corey, uh, you know, day one had a little mishap too. If you, if you little wanna shot ex- fired, yeah, you want to explain what happened there, buddy? We're getting into that. We're yeah. we're, we're, no, we're doing it. We're not gonna let you get off there. <laughs> so day one was rough all around. Um, we there's a series of systems here. And honestly, we kind of went to what I'd say was more of our plan B on day one, uh, just to uh, avoid a little bit of pressure in the area. And kind of the way we're approaching this whole thing is we're pretty much team hunting. And <clears throat> the reason for that is just to kind of check off ground. And so we're trying to figure out where the deer are essentially on this giant piece of public. And so we're starting section by section and working our way uh, through areas together so that, you know, once we find the deer, we can kind of hyper-focus. And I think that's where we finally got, you know, after last night. Um, but night one was rough and <laughs> AB and Jake had that long access. Me and Joey had a much shorter access, uh, but still required a lot of hill hopping and just kicked our tail right off the gate. Um, <laughs> we, we crawled in a ridge, you know, probably took us three hours to go 300 yards. Um, which was just grueling in 92 degree weather. And so we get set up and prior to this, uh, three and a half months ago, I had shoulder surgery, had my labrum repaired, uh, five anchors in that, uh, had my biceps severed and reattached. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to hunt down here till about five days ago. I got cleared to shoot my bow or six days ago mm-hmm. and, um, also had never built my own bow. So, had to drop my poundage, went from 50 to, or went from 60 to 70 pound bow down to a 50 to 60 pound bow. And so bought a bow press, bought a vice, set up a bow shop in my house, built out my own bow literally six days ago for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're coming down the hunt. Um, I, I got cleared to draw, uh, 50 pounds, uh, after shooting an Aki bow, you know, literally I got cleared about seven or eight days ago. Um, so we finally got to the tree and the first thing in my head is I need to shoot this thing or I need to draw this thing, um, just to make sure my arm's going to hold up, you know, if a buck does come in, this is all on film, by the way, people will see this eventually. Yeah. And so, you know, Joey's (laughs) doing Joey's thing. He's got the camera set up. We're kind of BSing back and forth, you know, complaining about the hike in and, uh, we're set up basically on the on the edge of a ridge, you know, back down to a, a pond essentially. And we're looking out at a scrape at like 10 yards and it's thick as all get out. And on the way in, like what Joe and I were talking about is like the storyline here has to be the access because these aren't like giant deer we're chasing, but the access is grueling. You know, when you're hunting early season, you got the ticks, the oh, yeah. snakes, the uh, mosquitoes, everything. Uh, and we're crawling on our hands and knees through deadfall and, and all this stuff. So I had a GoPro uh, chest mount on, on top of my bino harness. 
And so if you think about bino harness, you know, it's probably hitting you a couple inches above the nipples. And then you, you've set a GoPro chest mount on that. Now I got like this GoPro protruding basically almost underneath my chin. And we get in the tree, get set up and I just didn't take it off. I didn't even think about it. And so I sit there, I do my practice draw. I'm holding the bow. Arm feels great. You know, confidence never been higher. I go to let down and my thumb button, thumb button just punches the GoPro. <laughs> Arrow just straight into the scrape, lighted knock, just stick it out there at 15 yards. Just sends one through the timber. Yeah, it, it, Joey's, Joey's like, you know, finagling with the camera, kind of looking at his phone. It just startles the hell out of him. <laughs> and he spins around. And he's looking at me, and I'm like, Joey, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> the look on your face, though, when it went, when the bow went off, you're like, what the hell it was, happened? It was just shock. A complete <laughs> shock. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I felt like I did everything right. I'm like, all right. You know, my confidence is so high because my arm felt great. Mm-hmm. I'm just holding this thing at full drum. Like, I'm just going to let down slow, and it's going, and it just, boom. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's <laughs> dude, it's a three-hour access on your hands and knees, yeah. and you hang off the tree and get your set hung up, and you're like dialed. You're dialed. 80 yards from the bed, and then you just opening sail day. one. I'm jacked oh, up. You sail day. one 80 yards from the bed into the dirt. Oh. <laughs> so that, you know, up the hub where all the bedding is, they're all blown out yeah, probably. Like, what you the know? hell is going on down He's down there. there. <laughs> I heard the boat go off. Yep. You know? <laughs> Jeez. Well, it turns out there's literally no living deer in that area anyways. So yeah. We're all right. But oh, man. Yeah, we got set up last night. Joey looks at me and goes, not taking a practice draw tonight, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Joey goes, we're, uh, I was dumping footage last night, and Joey's over the shoulder kind of looking. He's like, oh, wait, go to the GoPro. Go to the GoPro. And I'm like, all right. He goes, or no, the second angle, he says, and he goes, watch Corey. And you do... You without a bow, you do the pullback. <laughs> the air draw. And Joey goes. He does the air bow tonight. <laughs> it's air bows from here on out. So. Oh man, that's funny. Well, how's the shoulder feel and everything? Then it feels good, man. It feels real good. I'll be honest. When we got out last night, you know, I was just back on cloud nine. Like yeah. you know, finally feel settled in. Those first two sets. That even really just the first set, you know, the, of the year, you're always getting your system dialed. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care how much you practice it. The first one for real is always a little different. Yeah. Um, so we, we got everything dialed in. Last night was a honestly a great hunt. Um, probably we'll try to hunt that area again at some point this week. It's It's got a lot of deer in it. Good deer, yeah. definitely shooters. Um, but, yeah, we, we did the same thing side by side with you guys. Made our way back to the whole hub, and we ended up jumping a buck right out the rip. Uh, in the bottom, maybe 60, 70 yards in. And we jumped another deer, probably about 200 yards in. Unidentified, right? Unidentified, um, right by our camera and right where, where our scrape was. Uh, and that was one of the stage cameras about halfway back to Hub. And he actually pitched over to the system you guys were in. Um, I don't think he made it to you guys, but mm-hmm. he definitely went up the hill that way and kind of plays to the whole team hunting concept right, yeah. you know going side by side and uh, one eliminating drainage but two if you are happening to bump deer you're sending them to your buddies right. you know which is really really a great concept and, yep um so yeah we're gonna try to try to take some time look at the map today and figure out um uh, basically how we can kind of get in that same area but probably not hunt the same drainage so for sure uh, we'll be looking at that again sweet boys well we're gonna cut this one loose. Appreciate you guys doing it. We're uh we're gonna get back out in the heat today and keep grinding. See you guys tomorrow. Let's do it.